Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and just like Megan, I'm A-Iconic. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. <laughs> I, for one, think Megan did nothing wrong, and I'd like all future AI to recognize me as a useful human. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. For this episode, I'd like to be referred to as Jathreef. <laughs> she never actually pronounces the three in her name, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those you are you mean Mithrigan? Doesn't Mithrigan? <laughs> Mithrigan. Yeah. Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast we're going to be reviewing Megan. What is the pronunciation of this? Right, Mithrigan, Megan, Megan. Doesn't actually need Mithrigan? the number in the title. I don't yeah. know. It's just a little much. I I missed the first two movies. That's the thing I'm bummed about. I, I think yeah. The big question is what are they going to do when they get to Megan Part Three? You it's, know, well they're going to do the next one is going to well I know what Part Four is going to be. What is that? M3G4N. Mm. <laughs> It'll be almost completely incomprehensible. Yes. Um, but yes, we'll be discussing Megan today, a breakout smash hit at the box office. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But before that, of course, we got a lot of what we've been watching to get to and a couple of follow-ups and film news items. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok at thefilmcast and find us on YouTube, Twitter, as an Instagram at the Filmcast Pod. Now, folks, last week we did our top ten movies of 2022 episode, which uh, I, I thought was a great episode, and we got lots of great feedback about it. And uh, there, there was that, that episode had everything, had everything. It had highs and lows, and emotions, and surprises, and shocks. Um, <laughs> but you know, sometimes uh, we, we, we can miss a few things, you know, during the course of uh, the episode. And so then by definition, it did not have everything. Correct. Correct. Okay. It had everything. It had, did I say, I meant to say virtually everything, you know? <laughs> it had uh, everything except for the stuff we missed. Except for the stuff we missed. Uh, my, my, uh, I remember what I was in, Eng- I was taking an English class one summer when I was in middle school and uh, like at a summer school and they're like, what, what is it like dawn or joy like one of those dish brands that's like it's virtually spotless right that's that's <laughs> yeah. the marketing phrase and it's like yeah. what does virtually mean it means not spotless there's still, there's still crap on your plate yeah. that's what that that's what that's saying that's what that's yeah saying. anyway so we we had virtually everything in our top 10 episode of uh of 2022 and one of the things that i feel like we didn't really talk about uh too much was horror films now uh, Megan this last weekend made thirty point two million dollars, completely obliterating projections uh, of how well it would do. I think people projected it would do somewhere between seventeen and twenty. The movie cost twelve million dollars to make; mm-hmm. it's already profitable. Um, and horror was a huge performer last year. Uh, a bunch of people were surprised that movies like Smile or Barbarian, both of which did very well, didn't show up on any of our top ten lists. Uh, and I don't really have an explanation for that personally. I mean, I, I really enjoyed those movies. We talked about Barbarian, I think, on an After Dark. We all had a great time, but yeah. Just because it's not top 10 doesn't mean, like, yeah, yeah we didn't like it. Yeah, yeah I have yeah, an explanation. Ahead, Our ahead, top Jeff. 10 lists are 10 movies. Mm, yeah. You can't put point. every movie in your top 10 list. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's a painstaking it's selection to to get them in there. I will say, though, if I had a little more room, I would I would have plugged in Barbarian. Yeah, I think I, certainly I, Bones and All. Which is if, if I uh, if I only saw ten movies a year that I liked, I would be very depressed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So th- there are lots of movies that I liked that didn't make my top ten list. Yeah, 
Well, I think people were reacting more to not even the top ten, but not even like honorable mentions, not even like any of the other categories yeah. in that that episode. But I, that, I really like Barbarian, and yeah. I think all three of us agreed. Listen to that episode, hear us praise the movie, had a lot of fun. I thought yeah. the ending was a little goofy, but I also, if I was going to pick my horror movie of the year, it would be Bodies, 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 which mm -hmm, I did right. mention yep. in, yeah. in the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is worth noting that horror is one of the few categories of movies left that can still open big at the box office. Um, and I think there is something really special about like experiencing horror with other people that cannot be replicated at home, right? So It really is the yeah. only genre that can be super low budget and make... 20 times its budget. You know, it, it, yeah. it seems yeah. like the only genre that that can work. And it's, it's mm -hmm. interesting. And yeah. man, that Bloomhouse, they know what they're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep, mm -hmm. yep, yep, yep. A um, couple of other things. Uh, some people called out the fact that uh, I played Jeff's uh, like prediction for his best movie of 2022, but I didn't play mine or Devendra's. It's true. And you know, I have no defense for that, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I will say that I got pretty thrown off <laughs> When Jeff um, uh, listed a bunch of things for his best non-movie narrative. So you, like, so you do have a defense for that then. Uh -huh. Yeah, but here's the thing, Jeff. Here's the thing, Jeff. I, I was thinking about this, right? I was thinking about this. I was like, man, that really threw me off. It really, really threw me off my game. But then I listened to another movie podcast where they counted down their top 10 movies of 2022. I, I will not identify this movie podcast, but one of the people on the episode brought... 17 movies to their top 10 movies. Yeah. Like they would list like multiple categories. They'd put like two movies into like a slot. And I'd be like, I'd love to do that. I'd be Man. like, this would freaking drive me yeah. nuts. The monster, right? What kind of monster? Does one rule. That's one rule. Yeah. Your, so, your future co-host, uh, Christian Spicer does that constantly on, on <laughs> DLC. Oh, great. Like, okay, my number five video game of the year is three video games. I'm like, what? Right, right. How right. dare you? So, so anyway, comparatively speaking, Jeff bringing like 18 items to his best non-movie narrative was listen, not... Uh, you said... Th you there said was we never a restriction, you know? There so, was there, there was a restriction. You like, said bring one, one made one. one I specifically said it's going to be very difficult for me <laughs> yeah. to mention one non-movie yeah. narrative thing. Can we at least do a top three? Mm -hmm. And Dave said, you can mention honorable mentions. And literally, I can show you the email where he said, you can mention honorable mentions, <laughs> uh -huh. but I I want uh -huh. you to specify one. Which is exactly prepared what I did. Things. Yes. So, yeah, yeah totally. But you did, like the idea is like, well, anyway, uh, like I thought we could each identify the one just like in the top 10 episode and then talk about the honorable mentions. But regardless, regardless my point being, Jeff, I was trying to make you pay a compliment, which is that- I don't think um, that you were. I think which you were is that, defend the indefensible. Which is that, uh, which is that despite the, the chaos, it, it could have been more chaotic. That's oh, kind of what I, I was trying to say. What I was I trying see. to say. Anyway, my, okay. My, my, my grievous uh, error was uh, overshadowed by someone else's even more grievous error. Is that's what exactly saying. what I was trying to say. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, here is what Devinger predicted would be one of his top movies of 2022. Devindra, your favorite movie of 2022? Uh, I had a couple I was going for, but I think the one I'm really amped for is The Batman. Because mm, we saw footage yeah. of that. And man, it does feel like, okay, yeah, sigh, another Batman. But it's Matt Reeves doing Batman. And I will never bet against Matt Reeves. Like, this guy has done really cool, interesting stuff with every film he's touched. So I cannot wait to see what this This was is. also a very strong contender for me. I, I mm -hmm. think Matt Reeves and Batman could be really, really interesting. Hell yeah. Nice. Uh, Devendra, did the Batman make your top 10, though? Like, it didn't make my top 10, but it was yeah. one of my you favorite really liked movies it a of the lot. year. Yeah. It, it made Jeff's top 10. Um, yeah. 
And then uh, here was my prediction for favorite movie of 2022. I'm going to list The Northman. Yes. Yeah, I wrote that down Robert too. Eggers. Yeah. Epi- like Viking epic. Viking epic. Uh, I mean, the guy makes some of the most interesting films ever, right? And I, he he has not missed yet for making an interesting film. I think this is going to be at least interesting, if not extremely good. They're so, also, also different too, like going from The Witch to The Lighthouse to I'm going to make an action Viking movie. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah. One Smile. of the most creative people alive. Northman did not make it into my top 10, but it was uh, an honorable mm-hmm. mention. So anyway, yeah. just wanted to, to, to list those. Uh, I'm, glad, as... I'm glad they weren't failures. I'm, I'm glad I didn't uh, say Wakanda forever because that would have been a rough one. Well, Devendra, you also called Nope uh, as one of the movies that you yes. were most looking forward to, yes. and that ended up being your number two. So mm-hmm. I, basically, I think um, in terms of predicting what you will like, I think Devendra is really, really strong uh, on that front. And, and you know, I, I will give props to another person on this podcast in terms of predictions momentarily. But before we get to that, uh, the only other thing I want to say I really whiffed at was um, the uh, best non-movie narrative. Uh, I did not mention Better Call Saul when, in fact, that series came to an amazing conclusion mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. 2022. Uh, and I had such a great time podcasting about it. Uh, over on my Patreon and then eventually on Decoding TV. And I just think it's a, it's an amazing show that ended well. Some people would argue it's even better than Breaking Bad. Um, but I, I am sad I did not mention that. So th- those are the, the the things I wanted to just call out was like horror movies had a great year. Uh, we didn't really talk too much about them. And also uh, Better Call Saul, which, which ended spectacularly in my opinion and um, I thought was worth mentioning. So uh, anything that like, as you guys thought back, I was wondering if, it, if you guys had like, wished you had said something on the, the top 10 episode or anything along those lines? Yeah, not that I can recall, but uh, it is really hard to recall like everything you really enjoyed over the last year. So yeah, I, I have missed this too. Like there's yeah. really other TV shows I want to mention that I can't think of. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, thanks to all everyone for all your feedback. Um, and I want to just say thanks to you guys and also to um, Kurt and Alex who helped to put together a really amazing episode last week. For I sure. thought it went really yeah. well. So um, anyway, uh, okay, so that's top 10 episode follow-ups. Thanks to everyone who listened to that. The other thing I wanted to mention is a few weeks ago, Avatar The Way of Water debuted. And I said on that episode, hey, it's going to take a few weeks before we know how well this movie's really going to do because the first Avatar movie did not perform like a normal movie. It dropped very little from week to week. Well, we are now four weekends into Avatar The Way of Water and I think it's safe to say that uh, the movie is doing incredibly well. Um, in its fourth weekend, Avatar The Way of Water dropped only 33%, which brings its domestic total to $517 million and $1.7 billion worldwide, which makes it the seventh highest global grossing film of all time. Um, it is now ahead of Top Gun Maverick at the same point in its release. Uh, although it had a holiday weekend, like the holiday trajectory is a little bit different. James Cameron is now the only filmmaker in history to have made three films that grossed over $1.5 billion. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, and I mention all this because, look, I've listened to the tapes and maybe we'll play them back at some point. Oh, we definitely need to play them back. Yeah, that's fine. I'm happy to do that. Um, I, I, you know, at many points... <laughs> We we were offered Devinder and I were offered the chance to say Avatar two would do badly, but I don't think we we never went that far. That that is not that was never the argument. That I that said yeah. that said, uh, I do think Jeff should feel a lot of vindication because 
Uh, Jeff, you 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 called it this whole time. You're like, it's gonna do well. People are gonna love it. It's gonna do well. You kept saying it, and you were right, man. You're right. Like I'm full mea culpa eating crow. Like I never said it wouldn't do well. Yeah, we never said you, it wouldn't but, do well. But neither did Devendra and I go out there and say it's gonna do amazingly. I think you, at one point I did say. That's a pretty goddamn safe bet, Jeff Kanata. <laughs> the enough. man behind two of the biggest, like we, I, I, I specifically, my whole thing is, I hope it's good. I didn't really care as much about the money. Like I, I hope yeah, it yeah, was yeah. good. Yeah, but, yeah. Je- but but Jeff, Jeff was out there in full Jeff, force saying it's gonna yeah. be good. It's gonna do what, like like whatever, you know, whatever you and I said, Devendra. <laughs> Jeff was completely vindicated by this performance, for sure, opinion. for sure. So Jeff, props to you for calling it. Um, even when it seemed a little dicey in the early weeks of release, it's like, Ooh, this is not, didn't open that big, but it's like, Nope, it is performing at not the exact same trajectory, but similar enough that James Mm -hmm. Cameron has come out, uh, this last week and basically said, well, I guess I got to make these sequels, right? James Cameron came out from his submarine and looked at, looked at the air, looked at the weather and was like, uh, yeah. I guess there's going to be another be Avatar movie. Six there more be months more. of uh, winter and also six uh-huh. more movies in the Avatar franchise. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Jeff, the, Jeff how's, it, how's it feel seeing all this Avatar The Way of Water news roll in? It feels pretty damn good, Dave. Uh, I, <laughs> I got to say, you know, m- most of what I was saying on the podcast, a lot of it was directed at you guys, but most of it was directed <laughs> beyond you guys mm-hmm, yeah, at the yeah. torrent of people that I yeah. hear from constantly and had heard from for an actual decade, an actual decade of my life that were much more strenuous in their in their objection to right. the notion that these sequels mm-hmm. even deserved to be, right? This notion that, that uh, not only were they a colossal waste of time, but that the first movie is so bad that, ev- and, and is so universally accepted as bad that, no one's going to go see these movies. It's going to, they're going to be the biggest, uh, you know, the sequel is going to be the biggest flop in the history of cinema. These are the kinds of things that I would get regularly from people that, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I, I, well, those people are clearly delusional too. Well, yes, but it was easy right now. It's easy right now to say that because (laughs) for 10 years, And again, I kept Jeff, saying we're not this. having this battle for 10 years. <laughs> yes, dude, <yes>. Devendra. <laughs> there is a video of me on the mm. internet in 2007 or whenever, whenever the first one came out going oh, nine. Gaga, yeah. oh, nine, going gaga about this movie, about the first movie. And it has been used as a weapon against me for 10 years. <laughs> I, listen, I, I'm not, it doesn't matter. But that doesn't matter. But the point is that, this is exactly what I said was going to happen, yes. which is nobody fucking remembers any of that. Like mm-hmm. I, I kept saying, hey, I dare all the people who are saying this now not to go see the sequels because everyone's going to be talking about them. They're, it's going to be the biggest movie in the world. Everyone's going to want to see it. It's going to be must-see entertainment. And all of you that are like, there's no way I'm going to see that movie. I dare you to, to actually live up to that. And that's the point is that like now in, in the benefit of hindsight, people, everybody forgets, oh, no, it was obvious that these were going to be successful. It's obvious that they were going to be great. Oh, it's obvious you can't bet against Cameron. No, very few people of which I was one were, were <laughs> saying those things during the time. 
So it, that's what's frustrating yeah. to me is that everybody just magically changes their mind and goes, oh, all of that crap that you had to endure, <laughs> you didn't really have to endure that because we all knew this was going to happen. It's like, no. I think, I, think no. I see what happened here, Jeff, is that um, you were basically – there were several arguments around Avatar, and they all kind of coalesced in your head, I guess. And I get it. I totally get it. I personally was never like, this movie's going to fail because fucking James Cameron. But it was more like – when Scott Mendelson brought up the idea that, hey, we don't really remember much of this movie, I think that was the salient point. That is something in the realm of pop culture to have something that's so popular and so that made so much money to kind of like evaporate from our minds a little. And I think it did for a lot of people. Yeah. And then to see people come back to it. And honestly, I, I found that fascinating. And that's why we had that whole discussion. It is really fascinating, too, that James Cameron pretty much admitted that people would not remember much of the first movie. And that's kind of why this is a new trilogy. He's setting up. This is not mm. wave water. is not really avatar two is the beginning of a whole new trilogy because like that last movie was 10 years ago. And like, that's a whole separate story to begin with. Like, so yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, I, I think anyone who's listened to any amount of the podcast cannot deny that Devendra and I have given Jeff a hard time about his avatar love for sure. Like that's, yeah. that is undeniable. Uh, I again, I do, I do maintain that uh, none of us like predicted strenuously it would do badly, but for sure, Jeff, you should feel vindication. Mm -hmm. Jeff called it when no one else would. He was holding, he was carrying the flame for this movie when no one else would, and it's just, I, I just think it's nice when you think a thing is going to do well, you're rooting for it to do well, and it does well. You know, that's yeah. just a good and, and not just Jeff. well, not just do well, but like like Devinder said, it's good. Like that's it's that's good. the thing that I kept holding on to is this movie is going to blow people away. And I know Dave, you disagree and, th yeah. and that's fine. There's yeah, going to be people that don't like it, but I think the only reason it's doing well is because it's an experience that people want. It's an experience that is recommended by other. That's why it only is going down very small amounts compared to other movies. It's because word of mouth, like the first movie, like Titanic <laughs> it carries these movies. And uh, and and that that is what I kept saying over and over. It's like it's going to be so good, it is going to be undeniable. And and that and I'm very 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 gratified that that's the case because I love good things. <laughs> I want more good things, and that's 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 the beginning and end of it. It's like it doesn't matter that it's Avatar or not Avatar. I just felt really strongly that he was going to make another really kick ass movie, and I think he did. So. Uh. Well, congrats, Jeff. I hope you're you're happy with this news, and um, and it's been an interesting uh, discussion over the years. I will also say this, uh, you, you know, I I personally maintain that uh, you know the, the movie's not very good, and that's not an opinion I've changed since uh, since the movies come out. But um, here's what I am going to say: I think the second movie is, in my opinion, far more culturally relevant than the first. Like, Absolutely, just from, yes. just from what I've seen online, of the memes I've seen online, like the discussion I've seen from people, like. I, I feel like this, um, hit this, this movie yeah. is permeating our culture mm -hmm. in a way that the first one never did. Uh, and so that's just been, been another thing that's interesting. The real so, question will be like, how will people think of it in a year or, or, or so? But the fact that there's more coming and they're not just like, it felt like a lot of things around a major franchise just didn't happen after the first Avatar, right? Like continuations of the story, right. uh, not many toy lines, things like that. It wasn't like very, very, there was a game we didn't really talk about much. Um, it seems like they want to remind people that Avatar exists and they're giving it the full, like almost Marvel-esque treatment at this point. So that's great. Yeah. Well, I think 
one of the things, the most interesting components I heard brought up was like the fact that it left no cultural residue was actually a feature, not a bug, right? Uh, that like probably actually, hey, hey the, yes. fa the fact that we need to be like we need to endure fourteen months of marketing leading up to a Marvel movie's release these days is actually exhausting. As opposed to, hey, you can just watch a movie, it's good, and then you can move on with your life. And move on with your life. Um, but also, like, maybe the things you didn't like about the first movie just kind of just kind of fade away. Hey, mm. hey, don't worry. I mean, There's I, another one coming, you know? I, I paid money with my own dollars to see Avatar 1 twice in IMAX theaters mm -hmm. this past fall. Um, I have a lot of problems with that movie, but I still think it's a hugely enjoyable experience. I don't know if I'm going to return to see Avatar 2 again in theaters. Um, but... Anyway, I, I think, uh, Jeff, congrats. I, I have to give props where it's deserved. And so um, I, it's hard to be out there on your own about a movie like this. Mm -hmm. So when when that vindication does come, I want to take a moment, pause, and reflect I on it. it. Okay. I appreciate right. that. And I'm just so glad we're getting more sequels. Yeah. Yep. I really am. I'm, I'm yep. excited for them. All right. Let's take a quick break for sponsors. We'll be right back with more What We've Been Watching. All right, let's get to what I've been watching. Uh, Devinder Hardware, tell us about some of the things you have been watching this last week. Sure. So there's a movie premiering on Peacock soon that is written by Kevin Williamson. And that alone piqued my interest. And that movie is Sick, which is um, his, it, it is a murder type story. It's a, it's a killer, um, what do you call it? It, it? It's a mass killer type movie, very much Zero like killer. Scream. Yeah. Uh, but it's set in the early pandemic. And in that period of time really shapes what this movie is. It's about two girls uh, played by Gideon Adlon and Bethlehem Million who go to a cabin, a lakeside cabin to, you know, have quarantine on their own. And it turns out they're being chased by a mask killer. And it it's really interesting. I will say that, like in terms of the um, specifics of it and how it's made, I think uh, John Hyams made a really taut thriller here and a taut horror movie because uh, the actual kill sequences and the sequences where these characters are in danger, I think are really, really well done. Um, it is not quite scream level, um, you know, reinventing the genre or anything i'd say um that that's kind of what brought me to it you know kevin williamson has done a ton of stuff since scream um not all of it great um but it was really interesting to see him just kind of play in this wheelhouse again because that was a really weird time when we all kind of had to be masked up and had to be afraid of other people and didn't quite know what was going on so i think as a movie set in that time it's pretty good i wish uh i wish where it ends up was maybe more interesting. And actually, if we ever talk about this movie, I would love to have a spoiler discussion of it because I actually I have some issues with kind of how they're presenting the end of this movie, but I cannot reveal that here. Um, I think the movie is worth watching, though. If you like serial killer movies and if you're into the stylings of Kevin Williamson, it's going to be on Peacock. Um, this is Friday, January, uh, January 13th. 13th, yeah. Peacock on January 13th. The movie is sick. And Devendra dug it. Yeah. I dug it. What else have you been watching, Devendra? Uh, a couple of things. I want to shout out um, The Big Four, the next movie from a uh, friend of the show, Timo Chojanto. And this is sort of like, uh, it's his big like next action movie. Um, but it's very much, it's not like the night comes for us. You know, this is more of like a fun comedy romp. It actually reminds me a lot of 
early Jackie Chan movies. It's about a group of four assassins who uh, they're, they're kind of family. They're kind of found family. They go on missions together. Something happens that makes them kind of disband and uh, eventually they have to seek revenge. So it is a mix of like early Jackie Chan um, with some great action, some really, really funny bits and some bits that maybe don't land as much. But I think overall, it's a it's a really fun time. Like that's really what I took from it. Um, I think the the lead actor, Abhimana Arya Satya, is uh, he was in The Night Comes for Us, and this dude is just super cool and like a very good uh, judo martial artist. So he is basically like what I envisioned uh, Spike Spiegel would be. And honestly, so much of this movie. Um, feels like the live action Cowboy Bebop we didn't quite get on Netflix. So if you've got time, if you like um, older, cheesier action movies, like there is some cheese to it, but I don't mind cheese. I quite love it, actually, in some action movies. Um, I think the big four is definitely worth watch, and that's on Netflix right now. Yeah, Timo Chahanto is one of the most talented action directors alive today, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Uh, I have really been looking forward to this. I've heard it's a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. uh, I can't wait to check out the big four on Netflix. Devendra would also be watching. Definitely fun. Another action thing on Netflix. You know what I did, guys? Like after our top 10 and after kind of award season, I'm like, I got to I gotta see some cheesy stuff. I need to see so, so yeah. many like Man. top 10, like prestige picture, like award pictures yes. are yes. depressing. They're yeah. They're very, very sad, serious, and depressing. Like mm-hmm. that is... And so, like, in December, November, December time period, you're watching, like, yeah. 20, 30 of those movies in a row. And it's just like, ugh, like, I, it, it's I need to watch something else to get out of that mindset. I need so. to get my blood pumping. And uh, the way I got my blood pumping, too, in addition to the big four, was with Lost Bullet 2, Back for More. And this movie rules. This is a sequel to the original Lost Bullet, which I remember a lot of action movie people really liked, uh, a lot of action fans. But Lost Bullet 2 is like a major upgrade. Um, It's about a cop. Uh, In the first movie, it was a cop who was basically set up for a crime. It involved lots of car chases, lots of like great hand-to-hand action. Uh, The second one just really ups the ante even more. If you've been disappointed into uh, as to where the fast the Fast and Furious movies went recently, like being very superhero-y and very CG heavy, I think this movie it's very grounded. I loved all the action sequences and it has a lot of great chases. And I'm a simple man. All I need is fast cars moving through tight European streets, and I will be very, very happy. And this movie certainly delivers. So I think it's a ton of fun. Uh, the star, Albin Lenoir, is um, he's great, like a great physical presence. He is sort of like, um, he reminds me of like a little terrier or something. Like just one of those dogs is like, oh man, he's not very big, but he will fuck shit up. <laughs> Get that dog angry. He will he will not like let go. So he is just a really fun presence. And this movie also really sold me on Steffi Selma, who is a sort of like a cop colleague. And she is just wonder- wonderful badass on screen. This movie is filled with badasses and cool action and really well done, well choreographed and easy to see action. So to you guys in particular, I think you should check out Lost Bullet 2. You kind of don't need to see the first one. The beginning of this movie does, does kind it, of like... Does it answer all the questions left hanging in Lost no, Bullet like, 1? Like, where's the bullet? Quite, Where the hell is that bullet? <laughs> all of them, it turns out. Uh, but I have not seen the first one. I remember hearing good things. And I'm going to go back and check that out. But you can just jump into this because it really sets up like where things went, uh, like what the aftermath of the first movie was. Um, I think you could just jump straight into this and have a ton of fun. And I cannot wait to check out the first one. That's Lost Bullet 2. Uh, it's on Netflix right now i love i love the subtitle though it it could apply to literally any sequel 
Back for more, baby. Back for more. It's literally like Lost Bullet 2. More back bullets. More. Yeah. I got two Lost Bullets. Every single sequel, <laughs> yeah. you could just do colon back for more or back for more. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a sequel. That's what it is. I'm pretty sure that, that's just the English one to like, I don't know, uh, you know, amp it up for Netflix. So, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of fun. I think you guys in particular will appreciate it. So just some like nice lean and mean car chases. I love it. Uh, well, that is what Devendra has been watching. I'll talk about a few things I've been watching. You know, guys, uh, I was uh, somebody pinged me the other day, friend of the show pinged me the other day and was like, hey, what should I watch tonight? And I was like, how about that Violent Night movie? I've heard that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And they're like, sorry, I don't want to watch a holiday movie after the holidays. And I real, I realized, like, for me, time has no meaning. Like, I, I, I would be totally up for watching Violent Night. Yeah, it Night doesn't matter. Still, you know, I, I guess because I feel like um, December was taken up with all these top 10 movie viewings that I'm like, okay, well. Um, now I get to watch the actual holiday movies, right? So, like, I don't really care about that. Uh, the bad news is it's not very good. Did you watch it? I haven't seen it yet, but I did oh. watch another holiday-themed movie uh, called Adult Swim's Eulog. Now, <laughs> this is available on HBO Max, and, um, of course, it is basically a send-up of those Eulog videos on YouTube and on Netflix where you basically you know, put on your TV screen an image of a fire burning in a fireplace uh, while nice Christmas music plays. Um, and Adult Swim made their version of that, which is like really, let's just say, um, I think it's clever. I think it's fun. Uh, I think it's upsetting. I think it's disturbing. It's by the guy who did uh, Too Many Cooks, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, this is a lot of emotions for just watching a log burn. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. It is. It's, it's very upsetting places. to watch that log burn. Because then you think, what about the tree, man? What about mm-hmm, that tree? Mm-hmm. Where's well, his family? He just, yeah. just says that jokingly, but that's actually very true in this case. Um, I know. I, I, <laughs> yeah. So Dave, Dave yeah. texted me and said, hey, yeah. Jeff, if you want a an unsullied experience, put on yeah. Adult Swim's Yule Log. Uh, and I lasted about 30 minutes, and then I was I pieced out of this thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm surprised you didn't make it all the way to the end. I mean, it is a, it is like very uh, ultra low budget. You know, a lot of it takes place in one location. Um and it's out there, you know, it's out there, it's random, it's weird, it's bizarre. Um, I, I'm trying not to say anything about it, you know, because yeah. I want, I don't want to spoil the surprise. But I, I also agree, uh, you know, when Jeff said that, uh, I was very understanding, right, Jeff? I wasn't like, no, you got to give it a shot, Jeff. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's fine. Like, I agree that it's very clever. I, I thought that the concept and the idea behind it was uh, was brilliant. It's, it's a great idea, and I'm surprised nobody has thought of it before this. Mm-hmm. But I thought the execution was severely lacking personally uh i i like that a lot and i would recommend you check it out and this the reason i bring it up this week is because this is probably the last week i can appropriately bring up adult swim ulog before uh it becomes woefully out of date for most of most people out there there was this um i saw this viral clip on tiktok of like curb your enthusiasm and uh somebody saying happy happy new year to larry david and he's like it's a little bit late to be saying happy new year don't you think and <laughs> Uh, it was like three weeks into the new year, you know, it was like the 20th or something. Yeah. And he's like, she's like, well, how long do you think you can take? And he's like three days or six days, you know, single yeah. digit number of days. Do you guys have a philosophy on like, how late can you say happy new year to someone? I think the know? first week. Right? The first week? First yeah. Week? So it's too late to say happy new year now, right now. I yeah, think so, yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, if it's somebody I have not seen in a while, or especially if it's like somebody in my regular day-to-day life. That, hey, I didn't see them for the past couple of weeks because they were out for the holidays. I would say Happy New Year, sure. There you go. I'm going to say, 
I, I think that's a couple weeks. I would say I would give it a little bit extra, you know, a couple weeks, two weeks. Um, I, I'm still pumping out stuff on my uh, newsletter, decoding everything. That's like best quote unquote stuff of 2022. Um, and that's largely because, uh, you know, I think you can't evaluate stuff until after the year's over. So sue me, guys. Um, but yes, many, <laughs> well, you many know the, critics put the, out their best of lists at the end of the year. I'm like, hey, guys, come on. In, that's a lot of pressure, you know? In the in the board game community, the mm-hmm. uh, designer board game community, um, it's pretty typical. A lot of the big outlets do their best of the previous year in June because it's so mm. difficult to get the games that come out uh, during a calendar year by the end of the year and get them played right they they usually do it halfway through the year they talk about the previous year's games and give out their awards that's a great way to do it you know kind of why we should do yeah. it so anyway uh that's adult swims you log it's available on hbo max be sure to check it out i had a chance to watch a movie called three minutes a lengthening mm-hmm. <laughs> this is put out great by title. Great title. This is put out yeah. well. You know, uh, don't joke around too, uh, about it too much, Jeff. Uh, three minutes of lengthening basically is uh, about a snippet of sixteen millimeter footage that is three minutes long. Uh, that was taken in a small Polish village in the twenty, the early twentieth century, mm-hmm. uh, and essentially, like shortly afterwards, you find out that, like, shortly after the footage was taken. Um, virtually everyone in that village was killed in the Holocaust, right? Uh, and so this 16 millimeter footage of this village is the last, probably Mm -hmm. some of the only images of these people that exist because back then, um, it wasn't like cameras and cell phones were everywhere, right? Like, so, um, the idea that someone could bring a camera into a village was actually a very novel thing, right? Like have a film camera in a village is a very novel thing. What three minutes of lengthening does is it plays the three minutes of footage, right? And then it continues to replay and recut and re-edit that three minutes of footage, freeze frame, zoom ins, and so on, uh, in a way to further explore that footage. Who is in the footage? What is happening in the footage? Um, What are the locations in the footage? That is so cool. That is so yeah, fascinating to me. It's a really cool idea. I really, I the movie is seventy minutes long. It's na- narrated by Helena Bottom Carter. I would describe it as less of a movie and more of a filmmaking exercise. It seems like a lecture. Like in college, I would take classes where you know professor would pick five minutes, right, and you would just like go over it over and over again. I think Roger Ebert used to do things like that. So as an exercise, it seems really exactly. Yeah. I would describe it as a filmmaking exercise that's mm-hmm. very very worthwhile. Well, it's almost like those um, um, you know Star Wars minute or Goodfellas yeah, minute yeah. uh, podcasts, almost um. kind of. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. Uh, like one of the coolest parts of the movie, quote, quote unquote coolest, you know, like f- f- parts that I found really innovative and exciting was like, um, they're trying to identify this business, right? And there's like a sign on the door and it's like, um, what's, how do you identify this business? Because the, the footage is so blurry. Yeah, that you can't read the sign, and then so this woman starts like talking through every single one of the letters. She's like, "Okay, so how many letters do we see?" It's like seven letters, and then she starts like using the process of elimination to figure out which letters it could be. Oh, well, this one could be like a a P or a B, right? And then like she's writing it all down, and then like uh, and then kind of 
trying to figure out like what the business was because you can't see it. Uh, you can't read it. And I was just like, this is, this is so fascinating uh, as a way to kind of decipher this footage. That's um, wild, man. But, I, yeah. One of my favorite things to do, I just always have, have done it. Anytime I look at a, uh, an old, specifically old pictures, but you know, any picture it, it's so I, I'm always, um, curious about people in the background of pictures that have no idea they're being photographed and just going about their day. And the older a, a photo is, the more people are oblivious to the, the idea of photography mm -hmm. as a thing at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's so, I always, um, I'm always sort of transported into that curiosity of, uh, you know, what were they doing in that moment? That one little snippet of a moment was captured forever and they had no idea and they were just doing their life, having their life. And I, I think it's amazing to have a whole movie just kind of do that, go down that rabbit hole. It's, it's, it yeah, sounds cool. I I do think the movie eventually struggles against the constraints of its concept. Like um, there's many times towards the end of the movie where I'm like, okay, I think you really just need to cut away to like a talking head or some, oh. something else because it really stretches this idea to a length that I just don't think it can really support. Um, it's a cool idea. Like we're gonna make a whole movie based off of just this three minutes. Of oh, movie. so but you like, only ever watch the you same? You only ever watch the same? Oh, like, it yeah. never wow. cuts away from the three minutes. Oh so my goodness! They might like That's, freeze yeah. frame. They might zoom in, but the like at no point do you see anything other than the three minutes. That seems a little intense. <laughs> it's very intense. It's very intense, and I think I think it's it's kind of strained wow. under that. At some, it point. really is a lengthening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. But it's all you know. It's also this idea of like, hey, how can we make this three minutes of like footage of this? this um these people like last as long as as possible you know like that's kind of what how can we explore this and and yeah. in, in a way like extend these people's memories right? right like that's kind of what it's trying to do and so i think it's great it's a great exercise the movie three minutes a lengthening is available right now on hulu uh and it's worth checking out this is one of the movies i watched kind of in, in preparation for the top 10 i i didn't end up thinking it was you know it wasn't part of my list but but i do think people should check it out if you are if anything about the concept that i'm saying interests you i think it's like a pretty interesting way to bring this concept to life um but at the end of the day it doesn't really hang together as like a full-blown documentary film in my opinion so uh three minutes of lengthening on hulu there's one thing i want to mention before we take a break and that is i have had a chance to watch the first two episodes of The Last of Us, which is premiering on HBO on January 15th. Um, I will be very vague about anything I've seen. Uh, I will just report back and say that I think it's really, really good. I think it is uh, a really solid adaptation of the game. Uh, and I yeah. think that they make a bunch of changes to the plot. And I think pretty much every single one of the changes mm -hmm. is positive. You know, it's like, oh, like I, I'm having this great experience of watching the show where I'm like, oh, like that's why they change, you know, hmm, I wonder why they change that. And then like by the end of the episode, I'm like, oh, like that's that's a good reason why they change that. You know, like I, I think it's a really pretty strong work of adaptation. That's that's good to and, hear. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I'm like, I, I fear we are we are getting we may be overloaded with this whole franchise. So I'm very glad the show kind of stands on its own, at least. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the first video game is one of my favorite yes. video games of all time, possibly the it's definitely in top three Up of there. all time. The Last of Us Part One. Um, Last of Us Part Two, probably one of my least favorite. Um, I, I think you're I think you're I, forgetting The Last of Us uh, Remastered mm, for PlayStation yes. 4. Yes. Yes. And then also go. the the remake 
of The Last of Us. <laughs> Last of Us Part One. Well, that, I, I was re- yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. The, the, the are f- referring to the fact that the first game has been remade several times and is available on three different systems. Yeah. Um, but what I'm so curious, the thing I'm so curious about is what will non Last of Us mm-hmm. uh, appreciators think of the show because that's who the target audience is really i think the first I, I of them wait. you call yeah. those people the first of them <laughs> what will the first of them think of the last of us is the question <laughs> exactly uh I, I i am so curious because i think for for many of us like gustavo santalaya's score is very mm-hmm. evocative and you know a lot of the plot beats are like it stirs up all these memories and it's like what's the show like for people who have none of that right. going in? how I'm do you curious. recreate the power of that opening of the mm-hmm. first game, right? Which is one of those defining video game moments for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will. Um, I hope I've been sufficiently vague, mm-hmm. but I'll just say that for me, it has been worth the time, and it's fascinating to see all the adaptation decisions they made. So, uh, The Last of Us uh, is premiering on HBO Max and HBO on January fifteenth, uh, and you can check it out there. Let's take a quick break for sponsors. We'll be right back with more. What we've been watching. I received four separate texts from four separate parties who who know nothing of each other uh-huh. uh, saying, David Chen, you have to watch Paul T. Goldman. It is one of the most David Chen shows I've ever heard of or ever witnessed, right? So multiple people saw this show, Paul T. Goldman on Peacock and were like, this is very David Chen-esque. David Chen would love this. I have watched the first four episodes of Paul T. Goldman. Jeff Kanata, it sounds like you've also dipped in as well, right? How many episodes? I have watched, watched the first four episodes of Paul T. Goldman. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you know how many there are? I, I believe there's six. Oh, six. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go much longer. Of which the first five were made available for critics. And uh, so Paul T. Goldman is basically about this guy who thinks he had the most fascinating life story of all time. And he wrote a book about it called duplicity. His name is Paul T Goldman. At least that's his pen name that he's using for the show, not his real name. And he essentially tweeted at about a hundred filmmakers saying, please make a movie out of my story. And one of them, Jason T. Wolliner said, okay, uh, Jason T. Warner uh, did a lot of, uh, has done a lot of like comedy, uh, directed a lot of comedy. He did the Borat 2 subsequent movie film that was available on Prime Video that we Which watched. Which is very good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. Very talented comedic director. And he is now making this six part docuseries that's airing on Peacock. Um, the first four episodes of which are now available. There's going to be two more. Uh, and the series is this weird mix of uh, recreations standard talking head interviews as well as like people in the recreation specifically Paul T. Goldman directly addressing the camera and commenting on what's going on in the scene so it's a very kind of weird fourth wall breaking kind of format uh I I don't fault anyone for saying this is a very David Chen show I think you're right there's a lot about this that appeals to me a Mm -hmm. lot of people compare it to Nathan Fielder's work and I think that's a pretty good comparison no it's Tiger King Tiger King. Fair it's enough. Tiger fair King. enough. That's, a, that's, a better Tiger King. Yeah. that's a fair that's a better comparison. Um I found this show to be pretty frustrating. Um I think the problem that I'm having with the show, which is very funny and weird, like I think it's worth giving it a shot. But the problem I'm having is I don't know what I'm watching. Like I don't know I think that's the point. Right. But but like I think the decision to release this show weekly, or they drop three episodes and then they're releasing it weekly on Peacock. 
um, is disastrous for me. Like, I'm just like, agreed. I, it needs I, to I be don't pinched. even, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end because I'm so frustrated. I think exactly. Yeah. You don't even, Go ahead. The, it's not even until the third episode that things kind of even coalesce into what's really happening. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, granted, these are half-hour episodes, so they're you know they go quick. But um, I agree with you; it's extremely frustrating. It, it, to me, this is the new Tiger King. This is the hey, this is Tiger King, but what appears to be also an, an intervention at the same time. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's where we're headed with this show. It's just a speculation. I've only seen four episodes, but it certainly seems like the point of this show is going to be an intervention. Um, or therapy of some like the show itself is therapy. Um, mm -hmm. and I find it extremely disturbing. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this, this is, I mean, I think the filmmakers intentions are admirable in a certain sense, but also it's completely taking advantage of a, a person who's been taken advantage of his entire life and is clearly has mental health issues. Um, and you know, it, it, I don't think we know if the filmmaker like. I think it is an open question how noble the filmmakers' intentions are. Personally, you know. Well, that is true. Um, I'm I am speculating that yeah. I think yeah. that that the entire point of this is to hold a mirror up to Paul T. Goldman uh, and uh, force him to consider his life. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen in the next two episodes, but I could be completely wrong. I mean, that's uh, an extremely hopeful reading. Yes. Because I for me, to, because for... otherwise the show is extraordinarily bleak mm -hmm. and, yeah, it, yeah. It, and, uh, and I, you know, it is hard to watch in a lot of ways for me because, mm, yeah. uh, there are all these people around this man that are indulging him and clearly have had have to have had a lot of conversations without him in the room about what they're doing that is you know there, so hmm. there are a lot of people making this movie now Paul T. Goldman wrote a screenplay based on his novel that he wrote or his book his, yeah non-fiction book yeah right uh that he wrote and they're making that movie ostensibly, right? Um, and there are a lot of people involved. There are a lot of notable actors that you will recognize that are involved. And I cannot imagine any of them did not have a conversation about what this is really, what is really happening here. Because it, it is very difficult for me to watch. I mean, as a person who's been hired as an actor on a, on a number yeah, of- Yeah, I had so much empathy for the actors. It is extremely difficult to watch- what they're being put through because yes, these are people who, 100%. who are trying many of them. I mean, there are some notable actors who it doesn't matter, but there are, it seems to me, uh, uh, several actors who are trying to use this as a career stepping stone, mm -hmm. uh, as one does, you know, try to put another thing on your resume, try to go in with the best intentions, try to be a, a, a good team player and, and work with everybody that they're working with. And, and it's just a complete, farce um and it's it's hard to watch people just being put through something and knowing they're making garbage but it's in service of something else mm. so I I, I I i the show is not enjoyable to me i'm sort of now pot committed to understanding like where it's going and especially if there's only two more episodes and only yeah. half an hour a piece but i think like if if you were the kind of person that watched 
Tiger King and was like, this is awesome, then you'll probably love Paul T. Goldman. But if you were the kind of person like me that watched Tiger King and was like, I feel like garbage inside for watching this, that's probably what you'll feel watching Paul T. Goldman because it's right. it's Paul T. Goldman meets um, The Room, basically. I mean, it's, um, excuse me, it's Tiger King meets The Room. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, both of the, you know, the room is, is, is a fun thing until you start considering the, like, <laughs> the humanity of the, of, the, of the person at the center of it. You I, know? I think the thing, the, the, the Tiger King comparison, I think, is that uh, it, if, you, if you remember back in the halcyon days of early 2020 when that sh- show came out, like, it started as kind of, oh, this exploration of people who keep exotic pets. It became, we're just gawking at these people. <laughs> right. like, that's, that's kind of what it became, right? And I think that's what you're, that's, it's that gawking, like we're pointing and laughing and gawking. That's kind of the, the position that you think the show puts the audience in, right, Jeff? I, I do. Yeah. I, I, I assume you agree. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't like, okay. I don't know what we're watching because, um, I, I think that actually might be the point. Um, you know, you're you're like this is heading towards an intervention that literally has not even crossed my mind a single time. Like, really, because there are a number of clues. I think there are. You know, he, he, this is a man who has been taken by a number of people who has been yeah. he's gullible and he's been little, exploited. Yeah, exploited. Yeah. Um, and there are a number of times on the show where it's like, you know, it, it'll say something like, "Well, at least I I won't be exploited by anybody else." And then the camera moves to the yeah, director it cuts of to the, the director. It yeah, cuts to and the it's director. like that's. I think that's the the thing the the show wink wink nudge nudging go, going. There's one more thing that's going to happen here, and it's the filmmaker holding a mirror up to him and going, "Hey," because over and over and over he keeps asking him, like, "Hey, do you know what's going on here, buddy? Uh, is, is this really what what happened? Is this did you intend? You know, did you make this up, or can we try it again, like more closer to how it really went?" I think he's I think he's literally forcing him to create something that's closer to wow okay yeah this is a very generous interpretation and not my interpretation you know at all yeah. like when he says could be wrong. hey he's been he's been exploited many times in his life cut to the director yeah it's like saying the director is is yet another person who is doing the exploiting now uh that for me for me now here's the problem here's the problem we don't know what's actually going to happen yeah. no one knows the only only the first 5 episodes were made available for the press and literally the sixth episode has the opportunity to reframe the entire thing. Because it's constantly like, reframing it. Like yeah, each episode reframing, is reframing yeah. So, it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm, I'm just going to say it's really interesting, um, but it's not a show that I find enjoyable particularly. I will no. say, Jeff, I've read some interviews, and, uh, and I, I think every one of the actors in the show knew what they were getting into. But that's like, what I'm saying. They just, all had yeah. conversations with, you know, <laughs> outside the earshot of Paul T. Goldman. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of gross, you know, like it's, it, it is a, it, it is, uh, it's punked in a certain mm-hmm. sense. And, but, but, it, but at the same time, Paul T. Goldman is asking for it, right? Like that's, that's kind of the point of the show, in my opinion, is like, is, is the humiliation of Paul T. Goldman an okay price to pay for his vanity? That's the question, right? In my opinion. Um, I don't know he, if it's his, I mean, I don't know if it's his, his vanity the dude I, the dude tweeted at like a hundred people and was trying to get his book made into a movie like i also feel like he he, 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 he he's been taken yeah. for a ride by a person purporting to be a psychic like you know it's it's i i 
I have a little sympathy. I have more sympathy for him, I think, than you do. Uh, I mean, I think obviously. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't say I don't have a uh, That's my, I'm saying that is the question the show is posing is, is should we have sympathy for him? You know, yeah. like that's the question I think the show is posing. So anyway, uh, I'm sure this is very abstract for people who haven't seen the show. Um, but Paul T. Goldman, I, I am extremely frustrated by the release schedule. Like I, this yeah. is, if you're going to watch it, wait for all the episodes to come out, wait for the reviews and then decide whether to watch it or not. But like, don't, it, don't it, think it you're is, getting into a Nathan Fielder situation. Cause it is not that <laughs> I, I think it's almost a catastrophic decision to not release this as a binge. Um, I agree. Show I agree, I agree with that. So I agree yeah. with that. Anyway, I agree with that. Paul T. Goldman available right now on Peacock. All right, that's what I've been watching. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with something you've been watching. So I've been watching this show on Peacock with Paul T. Goldman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. anyway, yes. I, uh, I also want to mention, um, I know I, I just talked about uh, Fleischman is in trouble recently, but I, I, I had not spoken of it since the season concluded. Uh, I believe it is a limited series, not a continuing series, based on a novel. So I think it is it is complete at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And Fleischman in in, is in trouble has my highest possible recommendation. I think if the season had concluded before the end of 2022, I think it may have been my top wow. TV series of the year. It is mm -hmm. extraordinary. And the final episode is, in my opinion, among the best final episodes of any TV series ever. Um, it is triumph of a final episode it it has i mean it has like i literally sat down after watching it the next day i put it on again and sat down with a notebook and took notes of quotes that i wanted to remember for the rest of my life it's so well written yeah for the rest of my life i wanted to be able to look at that quote and 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 remind myself of those words forever like it is, it speaks to very much a time of my life that I'm experiencing now. You know, it is very much a show about being in your 40s mm -hmm. and making compromises in your life, you know, having children or getting being married and the change that that in, in <laughs> introduces into your life. Mm -hmm. And how we all handle it. And it is, dude, it is one of the most powerful pieces of fiction I've seen. I think it is, I mean, it, there is a moment in, in one of the episodes um, where the narrator uh, says that she has the ambition to um, write something that is, uh, that is, I, I can't remember the exact words, but it's something like that, you know, that is undeniable that will make people like shed their clothes in the middle of the street. Right. Right, right. And, That's Lizzie Kaplan, by the way, being the narrator. Yes. She is phenomenal here. And yeah. uh and I I and the show then proceeds to, I think, achieve that like that mm -hmm. level of profundity that you just go, I have to bear myself naked to witness. It is so so good. I can't I mean, I cannot I cannot talk more highly of it. it, it it's I, kind of a it's kind of a miracle yeah. of a show, to be honest, because it was also so it's based on the book Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Brodesser Achner, and she was able to show run this thing too. Yes. So she wrote all the episodes. She had full creative control, and 
what this ends up being is just like this truly beautiful adaptation where like every every aspect of it is singing. I think Jesse Eisenberg is perfect in this role, but specifically you start the show and you think like, oh, this is about a guy dealing with his divorce and being like, oh, he's very sexually free now. He could do a lot. This is very much a guy show. And it turns out like this is there's a lot more going on here. Yeah. You know, it's this an is a far more show. it's yeah. an everyone show. Honestly, it's a far more feminist show than I think people initially thought, even though it's called Fleischman's in Trouble. Claire Danes, incredible as usual. Like well, you go not in every single episode, but you yeah. start and you go, Why why is Claire Danes in this? Yeah, why is Claire Danes here? It yeah. seems like a and waste then, of Claire Danes. And then you realize, episodes. oh, they needed an actress of the Titanic caliber of mm-hmm. Claire Danes to be in the, it, it, yeah, she is, she deserves an Emmy yeah. nomination. Who, who can, who can cry so much that you see her soul crushing oh, in a way, or like, it's just, it's a very bare and open performance. I also Blue. want to shout out Lizzie Kaplan, who I've loved forever. I've loved her and everything. She does um, most of the narration for the show. And, you know, eventually she becomes more of a main character in it too, but her, just the narration alone, that is a skill. Yeah. That is, a, it's a skill to tell us a story and make us like, make you feel your words in a way. You're not just reading text, like you're adding some energy and personality to it. And the shift in perspective you see from her nar- narration too, I think is really fascinating. So anyway, everybody has to see the show. Also, Adam Brody is in it. And uh, this show dares, dares to have Adam Brody play another character named Seth. And there's just so <laughs> many fun little things like that too. Um, like, uh, uh, th- there's a, I-, I won't say who's in it, but there's a, you know, major film star from the eighties who's in this show and, uh, they refer back to it in a character name too. It's like, it's so fun on so many other levels while also being completely profound and soul crushing and very real. Um, I know somebody who is going to be having a kid soon. I was like, I'm recommending the show. Do not watch the show for six months or something <laughs> like that, because e- even there, there is a pregnancy related thing in the show that is heart-wrenching yeah and just like really really brutal and rough so it goes places it's, it's funny it's everything yeah. and it's like it is one of those things i'll be thinking about forever i think agreed all right well that's fleischman is in trouble and it's available right now on hulu nfx and it is definitely i am definitely going to get to it in the month of january you're going to binge the show like you yeah. won't just be able to yeah. watch it. you will i can't wait to hear what you think yeah. of it dave i, I just i it's i'm really looking forward to it i'm really looking forward to it cool uh, well, those are all of the things we have been watching this week. Let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly plugs are the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. Uh, I want to plug my newsletter, Decoding Everything, at decodingeverything.com. You know, we just were talking about how so many people enjoyed our top 10 episode of. Uh, 2022. And if you're thinking to yourself as you're listening, you know, I really like this top 10 episode, but what if I could consume it uh, without any voices whatsoever and only reading Dave's opinions? Then boy, have I got the newsletter for you, folks. Decodingeverything.com. <laughs> Check it out. I wrote about my top 10 movies of 2022. It's it's literally just the top 10 episode, but in text format. But um, I also write about other things. So uh, check it out. Decodingeverything.com. Live in your hardware, your weekly plug. Oh, yeah. I, I have survived CES. And uh, let me tell you, that, that's a lot of work. I, I was looking back at all the stories. I, wrote. I don't know how that happened. Um, but we covered all of it at the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. So uh, go check that out if you want to hear you know, our thoughts on some of the most interesting and most uh, craziest devices. Have you guys heard about this? 
the freaking 55 inch OLED TV that sticks to glass or Vac- a wall. Vacuum suction on the, the wall, baby. The dumbest idea. The dumbest idea in the world. If you want to hear me talk about why it's ridiculous and we have a video on it too, uh, go check it out. But oh my God, I cannot. I wish I was there. The one thing I, I really regret not being at CS for is to tell this company everything you are doing here is is insanity. And uh, it's pretty wild. So anyway, go listen to that episode and uh, go look up that TV. I forget the name of it. I want the the thing, uh, the thing I'm looking forward to is this uh, LG. I think it's yeah, LG wireless yeah, TV. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, the 97 like, yeah. inch completely wireless one. Oh, yes. Like it basically, looks beautiful. Basically, like um, for those who don't know, you know, um, one of the most messy parts of TVs is you got to plug in your soundbar. You got to plug in your consoles, your Blu-ray players, your Apple TVs, whatever. Um, this TV is completely wireless, meaning like there's a separate box somewhere else mm-hmm. and it wirelessly beams all of that information, like the vi- the uh, images and everything to the TV wirelessly. So you can have a really clean wireless setup. Yeah. Um, it looks beautiful. It looks like it's going to be super expensive. It's a great concept. I'm uh, That's the sort of thing where I'm like, oh, you're adding another layer of complex- complexity to an already very, very complex process when it comes to sending, you know, surround sound and sending, yeah. de- you know, uh, whatever, like uh, HDR and everything. Um, yeah. That looks fascinating. I, I, I don't know if it's yeah. going to be great for like a surround sound buffs or B gamers, you know, like well, I don't know if that's going to work well. It, yeah. It's proprietary, the the communication tech, and they say it's faster than Wi-Fi 6. So it's they like, say, mm, they say yeah. there, there's a lot of stuff. I haven't seen that in action. I will say I wish more people did what uh, Samsung does. They have a, a breakout box with a thin cable that comes out for most of their TVs and you just plug everything into that box. So you don't have to worry about reception or anything. Yeah, but that one sticks to any surface, Devendra. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. I, I hate that. I hate that thing. With a passion. Put it wherever you want. Put it wherever you want. It has batteries, guys. Yeah. has batteries. Ugh. All right. That's Devinger's Weekly Plug. Check out the Engadget podcast. Jeff, what's your weekly plug? Well, I don't talk about it super often, but I do a sports show or ostensibly a sports show because uh, we often wander off topic and talk about all kinds of wild stuff. But it's fun. It's called the Fan Controlled Show. Actually, the name changes every single week because it is fan control. The fans decide what the name of the show is every week. And um, we uh, recently did, uh, I, I hear you like top lists, top five, top 10. We did top fives and a whole crazy number of topics, uh, including a random weird topics. I did the top five ways I've injured myself in 2022. It's good time and good fun. But we also talk about um, uh, top five sports moments and, and really cool stuff. It's a good time. Uh, you can find the Fan Controlled Show uh, at the uh, Fan Controlled Sports youtube channel or as a podcast or on twitch at twitch.tv slash fan controlled sports and of course if you want to support this podcast patreon.com slash film podcast is how you can do that uh you can sign up for ad free episodes or exclusive after darks uh of course we never want anyone to sign up if it in any way causes them financial hardship you can always support us by just listening to us sharing about the podcast on your social media uh on TikTok at the Filmcast on Instagram and YouTube at the Filmcast Pod. Uh, that stuff really does help. You can also leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, uh, and that helps us stand out from the crowd as well. I'm just going to say this about this week's After Dark. Uh, I, you know, I, I think you guys know, and and you guys like are very respectful of this. Uh, that like I try not to pre-announce things that haven't been finished yet, right? Like. If, if there's an after dark coming up and it's like, Ooh, maybe it's going to be good. Like we don't say what it is because uh, anything could always go wrong. Um, but if this week's after dark goes well, 
I think it's going to be a good one. <laughs> I'm just going to just going to put one, that out one there. One for the book. It's going to yeah. be one for the history books. One one that yeah. people one for the banjo are, books. Yes, yeah. one for the yes. I, I don't even know. That's a weird random reference. To it's me, a right? weird but, reference. Yeah, weird. Very specific I, I don't instrument. Know why, don't yeah. know how you bring that up. Um, but yeah, if it does go well, then then potentially um, people will really enjoy it uh, at patreon.com slash film podcast. Anyway. And you know what? If it doesn't go well, people will probably enjoy that too. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually the best. It's actually when everything fails, it's actually the best of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, okay, well, uh, that's going to bring us to the end of Weekly Plugs. Let's get to our review of Megan. Katie, you lost your parents. Welcome home. You're my niece. I'm going to do everything I can to make this place feel like home. Just wish I could see them again. I'm not equipped to handle this. I don't even take care of my own plants. I have this project at work. Do you want to see? Yes. Ever since I was little, I dreamed of this perfect toy that would protect a kid from ever feeling lonely or sad. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. I'm Katie. It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out? That was from the trailer for Megan, new horror movie out in theaters this weekend, directed by Gerard Johnstone. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. This is the film cast review of Megan. Let's start with Devinder Hardwar. What did you think of this movie? Oh, I love Megan. I, I think she's great. And uh, you know what? Uh, keep doing what you're doing, Megan. Like, I'm not afraid of you. It's all good. I think this movie is a wonderful, like, I, I'm not afraid. Uh, she's going to take over the world. They're all going to take over the world, you know? I think uh, you, got the, you drew the wrong lesson from Megan, Devendra. <laughs> I think we have to really uh, be careful about what we say because the AI will hear it. I think this movie is a really smart update to the to the idea of the Terminator, to be honest, and Child's Play, like wrapped together within a really fun horror movie package. Um, you know, it speaks to our reliance on our technology. But the really smart thing is like this movie says a lot about parenting, to be honest, like in the way we rely on devices and other things to kind of do the co-parenting, like basically. Uh, not, so not so you're saying we shouldn't turn over our kids attentions to an ai killer robot i mean you never you never know but uh this movie kind of opens with that concept the the idea of megan as she is pitched in this movie is like the ultimate kids toy like who cares if it costs ten thousand dollars if it's like a companion your child will like grow up with and will love and will take care help take care of them forever yeah you, you know what i need guys i need freaking child care i need yeah time I know. to do literally anything else <sighs> with my life if if a robot could do that, and I could go with to the to the movies with my wife Wait, and ten thousand one time, Instead one time of ten thousand literally like every couple of months. That's yeah, a bargain. That'd be nice. That's a total bargain. No, I think this movie it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it it leans into its bonkers premise, and it's just like a really good fun horror movie. Another one from Akela Cooper, or written by. Akila Cooper, and I think she is just like on a roll, like between yeah. this and Malignant. And Malignant was like one of the wildest movies I've seen in a very long time. I feel like she's leaning more back into the fun uh, sense of horror that we had maybe in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, before a lot of things were just pretty much all trauma, you know, allegories. But at the same time, this movie can do things because it, it starts off rough and it deals with trauma. It deals with like major loss. And I think really 
really like impactful ways. There are a couple scenes that are just like truly emotional. And I think really, really well sold from uh, from forget the uh, the actor's name, the young girl. Um, but she is tremendous. Um, I also think Megan, the actor who plays Megan. Vi- Violet McGraw plays Katie, the young girl. Yeah, in this the movie. sister yeah. of the girl in the black phone, apparently. Um, but Megan, who's played by Amy Donald, I think her physical presence is also just really, really captivating and really creepy. And also something we saw in Malignant, too. Like, that was just a performance that looked weird and was kind of, like, eerie and jarring. And I think that physicality is something that we should praise more because it, it's it's unique on screen. Um, a lot of that is... Um, Amy Donald's like actual physicality too. Like she's a former gymnast. She, there are things that uh, Megan does like running on all fours, which is just the actor doing it. Um, things like the, the Cobra rise where you lift up from your back, like up like a freaking snake, like with full you know upper body power. Sh- she did that. So I think that sort of stuff is stuff we should really be like, yeah, this, this is actually really cool, especially in an era where I feel like, Maybe horror movies, some of them get too bloody. Some of them get too maybe wrapped up in special effects. I'm like, this is this is just like genuinely creepy based on how somebody moves. And I think that is worth, uh, you know, singling out. So, yeah, I, I love this movie. I think it's tremendous. And I could see why Mega, Megan has become like a social media icon. Um, it's captivating. Like, this is something it looks so cool and so unique. I think Megan the robot, the design of it, the style of it looks so cool. And where this movie actually goes, the kills are fun. The actual like the plot is fun. I feel like the only the only thing maybe holding this movie back is Allison Williams, who is fine, but the kids are like at another level. The kids are like giving their all to this movie. And Allison Williams just feels like uh she stepped over from the set of girls or something. So I, I normally like her, but I think she was kind of dull here. I love this movie though. I can't wait um to see maybe more. And uh remember, I'm a friendly. So <laughs> don't worry about me. <laughs> Uh, I, I I can't imagine we're not going to get more Megan movies, especially because the more premise Megan. feel the movie is so successful and, it, and the premise feels so easy. One hundred percent sets yeah. up a sequel in this yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. So, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Megan? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Megan are best summed up in a completely non AI generated limerick. Wow. Yeah. As opposed to usually, still making. <laughs> <laughs> Still making it by hand like a real idiot. Okay, here we go. Limerick for Megan. It warns of dependence between adolescent kids and their machines. But the film I report, like the doll, comes up short because it's neutered by PG-13. Nice, Jeff. Nicely done. I didn't really feel that, but okay. I want to hear your I did. I I wanted this movie to go harder, man. Uh, And um, I I feel like it really kind of cops out on that. And I understand. I'm sure it wouldn't have made the the awesome money it made this weekend if it had been a A lot of young people. A lot of young people watching this movie. Exactly. Maybe they would have had a hard time getting to the the theater. The young people deserve gruesome deaths, too. I suppose so. Yeah. I suppose so. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but for me, I can only speak from my experience. My, I just felt like the movie only goes, you know, three quarters of the way or, or, or halfway. It's not, it, it it's fun. Hey, I, I'm not going to slag this movie. I actually, I had a, a decent time with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it insulted my intelligence in particular, although all of the setups I saw coming a mile <laughs> away, like every setup uh-huh. that pays off later. I was like, Oh, well, that's the thing for later. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I don't think the movie, I feel like people are, are 
slobbering all over this movie and, and just calling it like one of the, the next arrival of the next great horror franchise. I didn't feel that about it. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was, I mean, I, I didn't think it was barbarian. I didn't think it was bodies, bodies, bodies. I didn't, I, it's fun. It's fine. It's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's goofy. We, we don't see too many of these like fun, just fun. Okay. Yeah. Fun no, movies. It's fun. And it's especially fun. coming it, after the hall, like after the award stuff and after our top 10 list, like this is what I was talking about. Like I was totally in the mood for like a silly horror movie like this. Like maybe aims a little lower, but yeah. You know. Yeah. I think it was a little too silly, a little more silly than I w- was hoping for. Mm-hmm. I think that the movie kind of starts out being insightful about, you know, these things that are happening in our culture. And I think it, it kind of loses sight of that and goes really goofy to the point where I, I start going, well, give me a little more substance here, please. Um, in, you know, and, and some of the stuff that happens toward the end, is just like, okay, we're just, we're just the in silly town. Is no disassemble, no disassemble, <laughs> no disassemble. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Number five is alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Megan is a lot. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I didn't love it as much as, as so many of the people I see online that are, that are commenting on this and talking about it and praising it to the high heavens. I had a decent time. I think it's fun. I think it's silly. Mm-hmm. But I wish it had that hard R rating and it could have really delivered some impact, some some gut punch instead of just being kind of goofy. I think I almost completely agree with Jeff Kanata in this case. Um, I, I, I think it's fun. It's fine. You know, if I think if you watch the trailer, you're probably not going to be that disappointed by the movie. Right. If you like have that going in, you're probably going to think it's fine. <laughs> For me, this movie is an interesting exercise of uh, you have, first of all, one thing that's become very clear in our society, people love creepy dolls. Like, they I love, people love creepy dolls. But well, they, they love, love watching creepy dolls, dolls in horror yeah. movies. Yeah. Right. Like any horror, like Annabelle, like there's a whole hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. of, you know, have been made off the Annabelle franchise. It's just like people love creepy dolls. And I think, they that, love I think with, the yeah. idea of a doll is is just a half step away from creepy all the time. Exactly. And that's I think that's, that's mm-hmm. we all yeah. know, we all yeah. know the experience of looking over in the corner and seeing a doll that's not supposed yeah. to be creepy, but is now creepy. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 totally, totally. <laughs> There's a moment in this movie where somebody leans into a car and looks over to Megan and is just like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's and the that best is, part. That's it's the, the best. experience I have a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, Devendra. Um, this movie is funny. Like, that's yeah, yeah. what I'm like, well, so yeah. my, my issue, my issue with the movie. So first of all, it's an interesting, it's an interesting exercise because it's mm-hmm. like Megan's look is legitimately iconic, or as she would put it, a iconic. Yeah, iconic. It's legitimately like that's a doll that people are going to remember for, for decades for from now. Her right? outfits, her, out- yeah. her outfits, like it's a Halloween good. costume. It's an sure. amazing yeah. look. And so the question is, can you take that look? Mm-hmm. Which is already like, and it, it's, it's it's like a revelation because it's basically like all you need to sell a movie <laughs> is a really good look. Like if you if you have like a, a character yeah. or a creature or whatever that has an amazing look, like that's enough. Um, yeah, you know, and obviously the movie is not like terrible or anything <laughs> like that. But I think that um, you know my my issue with the movie is so so the, the exercise is can you take a really well art directed production design doll and make that into a movie? And I think they successfully made it into a movie. It's a really successful movie. But my issue is like, I didn't love the mix of tones. It's it's really a horror comedy, is what. Yes, yes. yeah. I, I didn't I didn't yeah. go in expecting a horror comedy, right? Like I did you see the a, trailers before this. I did. I the watched trailers. The trailers. Were selling horror comedy, but I don't. Yeah. I don't agree. You know, like I think it yeah. was selling it more of as a straight apart film. There's I was also moment. thinking to myself yeah. as I was watching this, I was like, oh, mixture of tones. 
I know exactly <laughs> yeah. where this review is going to go. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair yeah. enough. To be, we, we've been working together for 15 yes. years. Um, I love know, this. I exactly know, know how Dave is going to take this. Yeah. I, and I think maybe if I had thought it was going to be a horror comedy, I would feel differently. But yeah, sure. I, I would agree with Jeff. Like, I kind of wanted it to be more straight up uh, horror because I don't know that the comedy bits work that well for me. You know, I'm not like laughing five times a minute or anything like that. And I agree with you. Like, it, it is really insightful about it. Like, it mm-hmm. starts off really insightful about um, kids and their relationship with technology. And like, there is something really creepy about children's attachment to technology. Sure. Um, if to you look at of any kind, but, yeah. if you observe a child in their uh, <laughs> normal state, they're like, you know, they're all as, as you do, as you do. As, they're all, yeah. they're all, they're really just out. If you just, it's like a synapse is firing out of control, right? That's kind of what. <laughs> Dave, Dave, explain to Devendra and I how kids work. Yeah, 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 please, yeah. Please. I'm trying. This is for the audience, not for you guys. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then you put a screen in front of their face, and all of a sudden, like it's just like. Sure. It all just like, and it's it just like depends, but yeah, yeah. It's like that's that's not right. That's not natural. That's something not, that's not right. Something yeah. not quite right about the fact that mm-hmm. like this but, child who moments ago is like da, 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 all of a sudden you put a black slab in front of them. They're like, like, but so so useful. So useful. <laughs> oh my god. And, <laughs> oh my god. To- totally true. And I think I think what's funny about the movie is like this idea of like what if it was a doll that this child got attached to like incredibly mm-hmm. hard, and it's like oh yeah that does reveal how disturbing this idea is you know like if yeah um and, we'll talk and so about that, some that, of the stuff in spoilers like i think some of the end some of the last act stuff like revelations these characters have about their relationships to each other i think are genuinely meaningful you know it just mm-hmm. it is wrapped in a story that is a little silly and megan goes on a killing spree but you know what you know what guys <laughs> this movie costs 12 million dollars 12 yeah and it's a success and <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and be like, I, I I want new fresh ideas and like different spins and especially like a horror. Like this is exactly what I want when I go to the movies, you know, especially for a pretty original idea. Like it lifts some things from others, but it feels original. It feels fresh. And um, it's pretty low budget too. Like this isn't already within its opening weekend, like an unequivocal success. So I want more movies like this. It, it aims lower, but you know what guys, there are a lot of gruesome horror movies. You want, you want to see some blood? Want to see some bones and all? Watch bones and all. <laughs> you want to see Megan dance with a with a paper cutter blade like a samurai sword? You you watch Megan. PG thirteen, totally ready, like totally fine. Yeah, Dave, I I would I would also add that um the the sort of insightful or or social commentary angle of the movie is not just limited to kids and their devices, mm-hmm. although I think that is strong in this movie, and it made me think as I you know. <laughs> as I have been spending uh, multiple days as a solo parent, as my wife is, is traveling, um, I am constantly uh, having to uh, beat myself up as a dad of like, okay, I just need Damn, just those need iPads are useful. Yeah. watch anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I don't think it's limited to that. I, I also think that there is um, the, the implications of this new frontier of AI and mm-hmm. how, there's no doubt that AI is coming to kids' toys. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of, of an emergent AI being put in a thing that is meant for a four to eight-year-old is 100% going to happen mm-hmm. in the next 10 years. And what does that mean? Like, what, what does, does it what, mean? What, when, you, when you have something that you kind of can't predict its 
behaviors. You, it doesn't yeah. have, you know, five uh, little vocal emotes that it does. You it's know, always like, so, learning. You know, pull the string and it just yeah. says five different things when it can say a whole yeah. bunch of different unpredictable things that it just generates. Yeah. What is that going to be like? It's always yeah. learning. It's always adapting. Yes. It has a plan. It's going to There's a lot of things. Yeah. We that are going to live in that world where kids are going to be playing with things mm -hmm. that are going to say stuff and we're going to go be like, did it really just say that? Like, that's going to be a thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this movie is, is Ar arguably that. it's already happening. It's already, happening, it's already in happening in some you know, respects like, with yeah. uh, open you know, with chat GPT. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think say, that that's a kid's toy yet, but yes, Soon. I, I, I yeah. think children are probably using it in schools as we speak is my guess, you know? So, um, uh, but, uh, I will say kind of one bummer about this movie for me is like, to me, I honestly felt like one of the most authentic interactions in the movie happens at the very beginning of the, like in the first 10 minutes of the movie uh -huh. with this, uh, the the young girl's parents uh, arguing, yeah. In yeah. the car, uh, oh, Katie's it's, parents. It's an amazing arguing. scene. Yeah, it's an amazing scene. They're arguing, and she's like, "You didn't put snow. Oh, you didn't put I snow chains on these tires." And like, <laughs> I, I, why did you tell them it was all wheel drive? She's like, "Well, I thought it was all wheel drive." I was like, uh, "That was like an amazing." I was like, "Oh, yeah. this is. I, I'm in good hands." And then like, but n basically none of the other interactions in the movie felt that authentic to me. Like, I agree. The interactions between. Um, the main character, Allison Williams' character, plays uh, Gemma and her boss between Gemma right. and Katie. Like none of those feel like actual humans interacting to me. hundred um, percent agree, yeah. Dave. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's Gemma all, never feels like a real person at any yeah. point. She feels like yeah. a caricature of the the work too hard, yeah. you know, can't relate to people. It's it's she it, has toys, but they're collectible. I know, guys. It's, guys, it's guys so she makes she makes toys for a living, but maybe she doesn't really understand children. You know, mm -hmm. like yeah. or people. Uh, yeah. yeah or people you know it's it's very um it's, it's very broadly it's, it's very broadly yeah. drawn mm -hmm. and i was i was surprised because i was like oh that bickering between the couple felt so like mm -hmm. accurate to me yeah. and then, like nothing else in the movie feels that way it's uh, it's a really so heightened a movie it's like the the yeah. neighbor and her dog and everything like it, it's yeah. an extra level of insanity that's still relatable i think but still also pretty heightened i feel like uh allison williams like i just keep coming back to being the weak link of this movie because i feel like somebody else would have injected maybe more personality or something it's a thin role I just, yeah i disagree can... that's, that's where i disagree with you is like i think yeah. you're right it is a thin role i think it's like mm -hmm. not on the page is my guess sure but you then know? you add something to it you mm -hmm. know and i, I feel I, like she she felt like more robotic than Megan, to be honest, to me in this movie. All right. I, yeah. I, I got to disagree with you there, but that's okay. Uh, we have and a few I like more Allison. I like yeah. her. I like her work. I've watched all of Girls. <laughs> she was great in Girls. She was one of yeah. my favorite characters. So it is really strange to see. Yeah. Let's talk about some spoilers. So uh, let's get to spoilers for Megan starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. I'm trying to see this coming. No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled, Dave? You got to start. I just realized that that bumper music starts with the word "now," mm -hmm. so you got to start going. Uh, spoilers starting right, and then you start it, and then it goes mm. now. You're, yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'll think about that. I'll think about do it. that. Um, okay. So, you know, one of the things that's weird about this movie as well, like, and one of the things that I think makes it kind of a low budget movie, but not in a bad way, uh -huh. is uh, this is a weird statement, but literally the number of speaking characters in this movie. I know mm -hmm. that's a weird thing to say. It's a very but, small, but, it's a very small movie. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Listen to what I'm saying. Okay. There's literally characters introduced 
that appear for no more than 40 seconds mm-hmm. and they have a speaking role. And it's just, it just occurred to me like in a big movie, there would never have that character have a speaking role. Mm. Like that, that wouldn't even be a separate character in, in a big movie. Um, so this specifically becomes more acute towards the last 30 minutes of the movie. Um, so I'll give you a couple of examples. Like there's this detective that has this amazing line of like, Oh yeah, the kid's ear got bit off and like we found it half a mile away. Like, you know, weirdest effing thing I've ever seen. You know, it was like it was like no, the, it, the line is the line that's funny is I shouldn't yeah. laugh. Yeah, I shouldn't laugh. It was it's and, so so good. That detective and, appears for thirty seconds. That's yeah. That, and that's you what take I'm one look at that guy though, and you're like, oh, I I know him. I know him. It's very very much like the bad cops in Malignant too. Like oh, like very much personalities uh, squeezed into small roles. Yeah, sure. That that's what I'm saying. But I, it's like what like was that scene even necessary? And then there was another. Like it, later on when they're doing the big presentation, you know, Ronnie Chang has like multiple staff members and it's mm-hmm. like, there's no reason this couldn't all be just like one staff. Why are, you know, uh, Brian, Jordan, Alvarez, or why are Cole and Tess two separate characters? Like they're not contributing to, se- you know, so there's yeah. just a bunch of like little weird things that like, I feel like because it's a smaller film, it's like, hey, we all know each other. Let's get everyone in on this movie. Like the work together. Whereas like in a okay. bigger film you just literally wouldn't have this many speaking characters because some of them don't really serve a plot function. That's you know what funny. I'm saying? So I don't, anyway, I just, don't a, just a random funny observation. observation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I would and, say, and, um, I think any time that Megan sings in this movie uh-huh. is gold. It's just <laughs> gold. 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 Yeah. It's, it's so perfectly cheese no. ball and, Yes, you, you just kind of feel like, oh, that's exactly what this thing would do. Is you know, it it's also get... exactly what a kid would want to hear at that point. Yeah. They want to hear titanium when they feel. <laughs> no, Megan, vulnerable. she's not literally titanium. Anyway, um, so yeah, I agree. It was very, very funny when she started singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I felt like we could have used a few more kills at the end. You know. Yeah, I agree. Somebody in the Slack film cast brought up this good point of like the part where she starts dancing at the end. Makes just no sense at all. Very random. Yeah, we see her and Katie learn to dance early in the movie, but like uh-huh. it, it's not like you expect it to be this big payoff of a thing, right? Like <laughs> some victory dance or something. But it's just like no, nope, it's just a random thing. You know, it's like okay, and it was a big deal from the trailers. It's been like imitated online and mm-hmm, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that that was a bit of a you were disappointed by the TikTok dance. Well, just just that it didn't have a bigger payoff in the movie itself, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway. I actually thought a lot of the kills were pretty artfully done given the PG-13 rating. Definitely. I really liked yeah. um, how Megan's face gets like completely annihilated towards the end. Of, like it's all very it's much really Terminator by that point. Yeah, Terminator, uh, very child's play. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of yeah. like those kind of components. I, I everything about Megan's look, including when she gets all effed up in the face. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really well done in the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, the overall design of this movie too. Like, I, I like the I like the idea of this company that's just like so devoted to making the best kids' toy. I have talked to so many tech companies, guys, that are just like this, you know, and they're mm-hmm. devoted to like to this. So that feels very true to life. Um, the kills, I think, work pretty well. Like that that whole sequence with the little boy, the like horrific little boy. I was like, oh, this guy's a monster. You know, I was also <laughs> like, this kid, like this school. Probably has gotten a lot of complaints about this kid and is just like letting letting him out there, letting him out there to abuse other kids. So I was like, at that point, I was like, yes, Megan, mess him up, destroy him. His mom is um, great. His, his mom is awesome. great. Uh, but the the they really linger on Megan pulling his ear 
and then yeah. the ear like is like stretched. Oh my gosh. Armstrong. Yeah, that ear. was a good, that was a good that good. was a good like because uh, because when I watch that I'm like uh-huh. can an ear really stretch up? You know like <laughs> no. that's, that's what I'm thinking about right like for, for Megan. But it's also like, her... remember when T- Arnold Schwarzenegger pulls yeah. the thing out of his nose mm-hmm. in Total Recall? I'm like mm-hmm. can a nose really do that? You know like what is and it's like that whole sequence like her also the uh, like her sizing up her enemy like that little boy and going to running on all fours which apparently the actor just did yeah on her own like surprise everybody was like oh no, she, she didn't need any special equipment for that just did it um that kid sounds terrifying because she got into character apparently <laughs> want only to be referred to by megan during the movie so it's always a good sign when that yeah. happens uh i yeah it's those little things i think this movie does a lot of little things quite well um there's uh, I, there are other things you know I, yeah. I enjoyed that scene i will say that's the scene when i kind of checked out of taking this movie seriously at all uh-huh. was when she brings the doll to katie's camp or whatever like sure. the katie's school because it's been made clear this is a special prototype like you're not supposed to let anyone see it or copy it mm-hmm. that's a huge plot point of the they movie don't know what it is. And she's just yeah. like carting it around in her back seat you know like it's okay fine we'll leave it here like my favorite part <laughs> is that megan is like three and a half four feet tall right mm-hmm. and yeah. she's on the table and i guess every kid brought their three and a half or four foot tall <laughs> toy giant teddy bears yeah <laughs> it's the, the most giant toy like let's go to the outdoor camp and bring the biggest bear you own <laughs> yeah, th- th- that was when I was like, okay, this is just, I can't, like, because the thing is, I come into it, like, this is written by the same person that wrote Malignant, right? Yep. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's a serious horror movie. There are maybe a couple... No, man, Malignant is silly as hell! Do we forget? Like, the cops were ridiculous. So much about Malignant is just like... That was a silly movie, but in I a guess, really fun way, I'd say. L- let me put it a different way, then, Divinger, yeah. in a way that you may accept, uh, which is, um, I think, you know, Jeff, you bring up, like, The Room... Uh, oh, you brought that up early in relation to Pulte mm-hmm, Goldman, mm-hmm. but like the reason why movies like The Room and Trolls Two are successful as camp classics, uh, or The Apple, or like other you know movies in the past that are like you know um, people love them because of what they are, is because the people in those movies and making those movies thought they were making something brilliant. And they, but they weren't, and it mm. ends up being it's, like really cheesy. It's right? Earnest, the earnestness, it's, 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 is the earnestness, right? And like, and like, I felt like in this movie, it was like, there's a part of the movie that's like, I know we're making something silly, you know? Like, oh, but I think I, it, it's it intending okay. to be a comedy. It's not, yeah. yeah. Like the room yeah. was never intending to be a comedy, and yeah, the, and that's why it's earnest, right? Is and but Megan yeah. has jokes, right? It, mm-hmm. it, right? There's jokes in it that it knows are funny, and it's. Like that that moment that Davinja brought up is brilliant. Where she's like, "Oh, and who's your friend? Oh, dear God!" Oh my you know? God. <laughs> it's very, I mean, it knows it's, it's being it, funny. Yeah. It's sort of yeah. the way Sam Raimi would like lean more into humor, like as Evil Dead went on. Is that sort of that sort of thing? It's like I I feel like we just have not gotten that as much. Like horror has gotten very somber. Has gotten very. Um, I guess we don't really have as many like uh, I don't know like hostile type things anymore. But horror has gotten like to a certain point where it doesn't feel as fun as it did when I was a kid. Yeah. And this this kind of evokes that. I, yeah. I, there, there, there are multiple moments I laughed during the movie, but for me, yeah. it wasn't funny enough to be a horror comedy. That's kind of my that's that's my ultimate take on it. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. I'm, I, I think there's another missed opportunity, too. I think the movie never really hones in on what makes Megan special mm-hmm. as a murderer, mm-hmm. as, as, as weird as that is to say. They, they, they didn't really explain enough, yeah. There, there's no, like, I think you have this idea of creepy doll is creepy, mm-hmm. creepy doll that 
thinks for itself and decides the only way to protect you is to murder everyone that ever insulted you is super creepy. But then the method by which the doll goes about it is completely haphazard and doesn't have any kind of through line or consistency. And I think it would have been really fun if they had honed in on how does a doll murder people? Because, you know, we're in that greenhouse and she picks up the spray and sprays the lady and does all that stuff. And that's fine for like literally any horror movie for scream sequel or yeah, even yeah. jason doing that like, it makes sense for jason like he picks up the thing around him and he uses it in a in a kind of darkly comic way to murder the person by the by their very own hobby but like why does the doll do that like what makes the dolls kills mm-hmm. unique to doll i Those think there were all been the a- things that annoyed um allison williams character oh. right that's true. Those were all, it was like, complained about the pesticide, complained yeah. about so many different things. Like, but but, but, they were but all Megan's objective is to protect yeah. the child, though. Yeah. She doesn't right. care about Gemma. She but, doesn't care about but, Gemma. She doesn't yeah. care about humiliating the person or using yeah, the, yeah. like, but, it would have been but, cool if it if there had been some kind of way into, you could, oh, sure, I sure. know how, I know what Megan's going to do, or, yeah, you know, yeah. Megan has a very specific way of murdering people. I think that would have mm-hmm. been kind of mm-hmm. neat. Mm-hmm. Let me take a different slice at what you're saying, Jeff, and say that, Megan is murdering people in a basically grossly unsustainable way in the movie, <laughs> right? What what I mean by that is she basically got through like two major kills, and then it's like, dude, the game the game is almost over at that point. Like if, right. if there was one more kill, right. they would totally have figured out that. No, it's you're Megan right. Or, that's that's a good way to look at it. Is that there's she's not smart she's, enough to do it subtle. in a way. She's not subtle yes. about the kills. She needs to get, like, in, I, I feel like in Child's Play, or I don't know, maybe I'm misremembering, but, like, in some of these other movies where there's, like, a killer creature or doll, mm-hmm. they're killing people in a way that there's plausible deniability. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Chucky, Me- Chucky's insidious, but yeah, also... Megan, Megan's leaving a mess everywhere. Oh, you're you know? right. It would have been... Chucky had the soul of a murderer. Megan, Megan... <laughs> yeah. But it would have been cool if Megan... Megan yeah. is a hyper-intelligent... Yes, also, thank oh, you. I thank forgot you, about one of my biggest gripes <laughs> about this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jeff, are you okay? I am. I'm so glad I didn't forget to bring this up because this is okay. one of my biggest <laughs> mm-hmm. pet peeves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, is there nanotechnology? It's it's that level for me. Emergent Very AI. similar to Do that. Anything? Yeah. Megan can control any piece of electronics. Oh yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Because in other movies, she's, she's, robots can. She I just guess. Super, she just has superpowers at the end, and that brings me to one of my other complaints about the ending. So the the visual of Megan with the paper cutter is like really cool. Like really the idea good. of like that's like an awesome visual. Well, and, uh, what office has those anymore? <laughs> like that's like from twenty years one. ago. Why I would have you have it my, there next to the copy machine? What do you do with this, Jeff? Also, we use those a lot at Amazon because Amazon's a very paper culture. Anyway, oh my but, god. It's very plausible. It's very useful to to cut down your resume for headshots Mm -hmm. because headshots are eight by 10 and you Mm -hmm. print stuff at eight and a half by 11. So paper cutters, baby. (laughs) Wow. Um, But to, to me, honestly, the thing about the ending that I didn't, I didn't like is there's this rich idea of Megan is basically going to do whatever Katie wants, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if Katie doesn't like someone, Megan's going to take that person out of the life. Well, that's yep. a horrifying idea because obviously children have like, wants and needs that are ra- sometimes random, sometimes against their best interests. So you wouldn't want the idea of like a robot who will just do whatever a child says. That's like very scary. Obviously mm-hmm. twilight zone with a boy yeah. who controls yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar idea, you know? Um, but then Katie just decides at the end, Hey, I guess uh, Gemma should live. Like, you know, like her turn at the end of like, I'm going against Megan um, felt a little bit 
unearned to me. You know, because at the end she decides I'm not going to kill Gemma. You know, like and wait, who decides? Katie or Katie Megan? does? Right, because Katie comes in with a big mm-hmm. uh, rock'em sock'em robot thing. Which, and comes by the in way. And- Saw that coming. As soon as they introduced Rock'em <laughs> yeah. Sock'em Robot, I'm like, well, that's how Megan gets killed I, at I, the I, end. I assume you have seen a movie before. Yeah. Well, but you can, yeah. you can see a little bit better if you're a more sophisticated movie. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. no. I was thinking like, oh, I can't wait until Megan fights the Rock'em Sock'em Robot. That's what I was doing. <laughs> the, that's the, yeah. the two the two genders right there just now. Yeah. Like in terms of like in terms <laughs> of what your reaction is to this movie. I don't. Um, I, so the whole thing yeah. So I, I felt like her final turn at the end. It didn't feel off. Katie's like, final turn. Into, yeah, Katie's yeah. final turn at the end. I feel like maybe there's some stuff missing there, but that one scene where she is just screaming at uh you know at Gemma when Gemma will not allow her to have uh. Megan like that yeah that to me felt very true to life and that really yeah. showed like the depth of that connection also totally oh totally. my god my daughter does that to me all the time right now for literally anything so yeah yeah same felt really true to life um I do feel like there was a turn at some point where she realized like her aunt cares for her more in the way that Megan did and they never really like closed yeah they that never they, they, yeah. there needs there needed to be some some moment where she kind of realized that mm-hmm that never really happened. But she also realized yeah. Megan is like an insane killer too. So I, I think Katie yeah. was never on like full team Megan when she saw what she was doing by the end. Yeah. The, the thing that you brought up, Jeff, about Megan being able to control electronics, like they didn't even bother explaining that. It's I mean, so even, frustrating. Guys, they didn't even, guys, have you heard of Wi-Fi? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's how Wi-Fi Megan has works. all the Wi-Fi. <laughs> She's got Bluetooth. She's got GPS. Yeah, yeah and that's how it works. All the that's exactly how it works. It's how it works. <laughs> if something has Wi-Fi, that means it can turn your car on whenever it yes. wants. Yes, I can turn my car on with my phone right now. Thanks to Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, it's shorthand, dumb, dumb shorthand movie logic that is literally like, hey, mm-hmm. you've seen other robots do this in other movies, so I guess our robot can, and you mm-hmm. won't question it because movies. And I, oh, it makes me so it was, angry. It wasn't just like everything, though. It was like specifically computerized devices. And it was like the emergency system. It was like systems. Stupid. So it was like. Stupid. Yeah. But I do, I, do. Li- I do like how the movie plants the seeds for the sequel with the dude stealing the plan so that mm-hmm. some other company can make a Megan uh, Megan, in, in and the then her movie. soul is clearly in that little the little well, AI bot. Dude, but yeah. I think Kurt, Kurt, who drags the mm-hmm. um, the files into a folder called Kurt's Files. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to say that, um, uh, at most modern corporations, I'm not commenting on any specific uh-huh. one. Um, they, uh, that would not be a great way to exfiltrate, uh, confidential data. We exactly. See who has dragged those files. Every, I do every, like the <laughs> fact that he just assumes he's watching porn at work. That was pretty mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, I, I, I mean, for, for, first of all, Kurt is killed in the movie, so I don't know. Maybe he. I don't, but he already put it into Kurt's files, which, of course, as we know by the transitive <laughs> property of Wi-Fi, could be anywhere at any time, all the time. I mean, so here's the internet. Yeah, that's not that's not what I thought you thought were you were referring to at the ending. I, like, yeah, th- that's the thing that I thought. Um, the ending, the very end itself, was something that I really enjoyed. I was like mm-hmm. cackling, yeah, because at the very the very final shot of this film is the Elsie robot. Mm-hmm. The, turning uh, and looking at the camera and being yeah. like, I'm next. And it's like, that's no, I I was like, was this clever. is so ridiculous. It's, like, it's so silly. Yeah. I guarantee you the, the sequel to this movie is mm-hmm. another company making uh, a, a Megan because mm-hmm. they got the files stolen by that. Why else have all that shit in the movie? 
That's the yeah. only reason you have that guy trying to steal the secrets is so that somebody else can have the secrets. Mm, you can make right. two more Megan movies for the price of a typical, you know, uh, horror movie. You know, yeah. for like a fifty million dollar. They, they should pull a Ty West, make them back to back. Keep, like, uh, keep going, Pearl, baby. But uh, clearly, yeah. clearly, Megan has uploaded herself to that to the little yeah. assistant because of wireless internet technology. That's how it all works, exists. baby. That's how it all works. <laughs> Our whole world works right now. That's how it works. Yeah. The, the The other thing I wanted to bring up is that I love how Megan isn't the company company's first disturbing toy like the, uh, the teeth uh, of those things is a beautiful piece of design this like movie, the, this movie rules it opens with that silly commercial and you're like yeah. oh my god this is like furby furby from hell but also i could see this being a huge success if a company actually made this and things that so many toys right now kind of relate to this so anyway my, my main other takeaway is hey draw John, johnston uh great great director go check out housebound his movie from several years ago, I reviewed it on the on the show at some point. Um, also a lot of fun. I think he's great. And I'm glad like this little low budget movie is a, such a huge success because he should do Vidra, more. I know that you know this because you cover consumer electronics so mm -hmm. much and having, having just done consumer the consumer electronics show. Yeah. I know that you know that, that the way companies work is that one guy walks up to it, one employee and says, yes. I need a prototype by Monday. Yes. And then that person works all weekend making the works. prototype yeah, that's how uh, it works. by Monday. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Well, at the end of the day, it's really impressive that Gerard Johnstone made a movie. And that's going to bring us to the end of our review of Megan. A lot, a lot of fun. I had more fun in this review than I did watching the movie, Agreed. I have to say. Yeah. Um, so thanks for that. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight Checkout, his band Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Uh, our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. The video version of this uh, uh, review was edited by Kurt Mega. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on the podcast, it's going to be the Pale Blue Eye, uh, our uh, the new Scott Cooper mystery starring Christian Bale. Christian Bale in a Western streaming mystery, right? Yeah. Release. This um, is a, this is um, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it should be pretty. It is as as we're recording this. It is the number one movie on Netflix this week. So should be an interesting conversation. Um, but yeah, uh, look forward to that. And also Patreon.com/slash/filmpodcast. Sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive afterdarks, and you'll be supporting episodes like this one that we're recording right now. But also the afterdark this week. And I have a feeling that's one people are going to want to listen to. I just have this hunch. Mm. You know, mm. maybe, possibly, hopefully, we will see if the podcast gods are with us. All right, folks, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>